Thank you, President. Uh, it's my great pleasure and honour to be able to introduce uh, the Reverend Professor Emeritus Gary Baumer AM. Um, yes, you have been here in Australia for 40 years, and like the chair of the day, you hold dual citizenship between the United States and ourselves. We know where your loyalties lie. Um, most importantly, I can remember Gary very soon after he arrived here and uh, began to make a very significant mark in uh, shaking up uh, assumed, well, assumed views about a whole range of things from diversity to multiculturalism to interfaith dialogue and the like. Uh, there is a long list of things, causes, organisations which he has led and been involved in I'm not going to read them all. I've only got three sentences. Um, but most importantly, uh, at this time, I think, um, it's, a very, uh, it's a very kind of shaking time. I, I think in terms of religion, the religions of the world, uh, the issues of social change, uh, the issues of diversity, um, those matters which Gary has been addressing for the past 40 years here in Australia have really come to a head. Uh, I, I can't just end by not making some mention of what's happened at Notre Dame. Uh, we've all been robbed. That's the way I feel. Uh, and it's happened in Holy Week. Uh, and this is a time when, of course, Christians and Jews in particular um, bear certain things in common, namely the Passover. Gary uh, has done some work and done some significant research because as well as being a professor and as an advocate and all the other things, he also is a, a very serious researcher as a sociologist. Changing religious diversity in Australia. What is and what's coming? Australia's religious landscape has changed profoundly since 1960, has it what? The census gives a moving picture of what has happened and res recent research into Australian teenagers gives a clue as to what is to come. Diversity increases. The old binaries fade away as meaning and community are found and constructed reconstructed in many ways. Um, I'm going to leave Gary the daunting task of elaborating on that abstract. Thank you, Gary, and welcome. Well, it is a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the invitation. And that is the topic close to my heart. And I wish to begin by acknowledging that we are on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nations and pay my respects to their elders past and present and rising, primarily because they have kept alive diversity of cultures and religions and spirit and stories in this place now called Australia in a way that lays a foundation and makes diversity normal. 
Yeah, there was a brief period when we would try to make it all British Protestant, but that failed. And the evidence of that is uh, coming before us. So, uh, when I got to Australia 40 years ago, somebody told me about the census. And of course, in the US, they don't know what's going on because they don't have a census. They have no idea how many of what's or everything else they have. But here we do. Every five years, Australians, what's your religion? And you give answers. Well, what a rich treasure trove. Yes, until 1966, Anglicans were still holding in, well, all, not quite 40%. They never did, for 1921, they got 40%, but 33%. Uh, Catholics at 20. Catholics have been mid-20s right through our history pretty well. Uh, it's a very interesting, steady heartbeat in there. And then there's a mob called MCPRU, Methodist Congregational Presbyterian Reformed Uniting. Whack them all together. In 1911, they were 26%. So if you had the Anglicans at 38 and this mob at, at 26, you had over two-thirds of the population. Who needed the, I'm sorry, who needed the rest? <laughs> and that's the way we behaved. Sectarian rivalry was the diversity that drove the issues of the day, and we fought those battles out. But come 47, things are falling away. The MCPRU are in a steady state decline from 1911 on to this day. 1966 is a kind of tipping point where the old bastions began to crack. 1986 was a fun year for Catholics because they pipped Anglicans at the post by 1.1%. And uh, Anglicans were on a declining. Catholics were rising at that point, reaching a nice peak of uh, 27% in 1991, ticking over a little bit since then. But today, the 216 census, Anglicans are 13% nationally. In Victoria, nine, of which the best estimate is 8% darken the door of a church sometime. 8% of 9% is a small number. Catholics are 23% in, in Melbourne, in, in Victoria rather, and MCPRU, five. Pentecostals, 3.7 in the country, 3.3 in Victoria. A rising group, now more numerous by a few thousand than the Uniting Church. Christians overall, a very interesting kind of measure. Are we a Christian country? Well, some people hang on and say, yeah, 52% of Australians say we're Christian. Yeah. But it's 47.9 in Victoria, and there are only two states in all of, Victoria, in all of Australia that are a majority Christian. Guess who? Queensland, I got one. Yes, right, what's the other one? New South Wales. No, Tasmania, never. No, the pack of heathens down there, it's terrible. No. And the nuns have been steadily, what, nuns, not, not N-U-N, N-O-N-E-S, is those who say they have no religion. Now, this has been a rising category over the years. It's been a very steady increase. There's a lot of nonsense about, oh, because they put at the top of the billing, uh, maybe that put a few more people in. It might have put a few in, but it didn't shape anything dramatic. 30.1% of Australians said they have no religion. And 32.1% of Victorians say they have no religion. Other religions, 
up to 8.2% in the country, 75 in Victoria. So a very different picture, a very different feel. If you grew up, as many of us did, <laughs> in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you had one kind of sense of what was normal. Dominant Anglicans, substantial Presbyterians, and even Congregationalists, Methodists, yet. It's very different now. If you ever find a Methodist, you'll find a, a Pacific Islands church. But there's another story about Australia's diversity that is so important in this. Australia has three large, substantial communities of religious diversity. Many other countries will have one. Most maybe squeak out two, but we have three. And indeed, trailing those three, we have two other very significant communities. We start with Muslims at 2.6% of the population. That's it, not more, myths to the contrary notwithstanding, 2.6% of the population. That is more numerous than Presbyterians who currently hang in at 2.3. So we've got the very substantial body, and those of you who know, will be, who are in connected to interreligious relations, Iftar's coming up, and you will have invitations to Iftar dinners where you can sit and eat with Muslims, share food during that month of Ramadan. It's wonderful. I don't have to buy groceries for a whole month because of all these invitations. Then we have Buddhists. Buddhists at 2.4% of the population. Solid, growing, well-entrenched, you know, well good infrastructure going up. They're, and they, too, are more numerous than Presbyterians at 2.3. But we've had a huge migration from South Asia. So we now have just on, in fact, with the passing time since 2006, it'll be over this, 2% Hindus. So we've got three communities at 2% of the population and plus. That's huge. And we are welcoming, we are incorporating, we are respecting our institutions, whether of state or police, are being open to working with these people in very good ways. And in addition, we have Sikhs. Sikhs pipped Jews at the post in this last race, uh, with 0.5% of the population Sikh, as opposed to Jews at 0.4. So these smaller groups are very interesting. To, and that's wonderful to have the data from the census to be able to figure out what's going on. In fact, we've got three times as many witches as Quakers. Important to know. <laughs> but one of the most interesting things to me about this census data is that there were the same number, that is 32,000, only 32,000 atheists in Australia in 2016, but it was the same number in 2006. Ten years and no growth. That is not a growing demographic. Those people who think it is, and I'm sorry, and I can tell you, it just isn't catching on. A lot of evangelical work was going on, but it didn't pay off. Sounds like some diocese, I know. Um, basic drivers, what's going on driving this? As always, our diversity is driven by migration. The primary factor is migration. And if you have people like yourself coming in, then you'll have people like yourself going on. And, uh, we, but, but they have brought Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Sikhs in substantial numbers, forming substantial communities so that people can feel a part of Australia, 
but also feel that their particular way of life has taken root here. Many different sources. Diversity, migration is keeping Catholics afloat at the moment in the just over 20s situation. We'll see how long that lasts. It's, a matter, it's always a matter with uh, migration of how many generations you can keep in the fold. Um, a lot of nuns coming in as Chinese and Europeans. As our migration comes in from these areas, uh, you begin to discover that uh, uh, Chinese from mainland China are, as Mao would expect them to be, pretty well none. Uh, some Christians in that, etc. One of the major factors relevant to this group is what's driving the rise in the nuns is the failure of boomers and Gen X to pass on their religion to their children. If you have two religious parents, you've got a 50% chance of their children being religious, statistically. If one of the parents is not religious, the chances fall down to 25%. And so as you roll the generations through with a percentage factor like that, you, will, you predict an increase in the nuns, very simple. It's the failure to communicate and pass on the religion of an older age to the younger generation. So we now have a new Australia. The diversity I've described being the nuns are the most numerous in each age group in the census until 65 plus. Until 65 plus, the nuns are the most numerous. So being nun is the new normal. Having a religion is not. Indeed, if you have a religion, you almost have to explain yourself. And people don't like that. Oh, well, I mean, it doesn't feel right. I'm normal, aren't I? No, you're not. Oh, you know, I'm under attack. Oh, it's terrible. I'm being persecuted. Oh, poor me. The times have changed. Dramatically, and quite frankly, I may say it lightly, but for those my age and younger, not too many here are older, uh, it's a rude shock, and it does come home to hurt. And within the things we might call a religious group, whether it's Muslim or Anglican, we also know there's a vast diversity within. So that it's not a diversity just between group A and group B, but groups A and group B are terribly diverse within. We know that terribly about Anglicans. Catholics are, are diverse if they admit it, and so on and so forth. It's very, very important. You get regional diversity. Where you live will determine the kinds of diversity you are encountering daily. Just take a, in your mind's eye a trip from Dandenong Okay, rich diversity, long-term settling migrants, etc. Blaney to the country, notwithstanding, it's a very healthy organization. The Dandenong High School was <laughs> a glorious place to visit. And you go to Baldwin. Well, Baldwin used to be a bastion of British Protestantism. Pretty good for Buddhists at the moment. Very strong Chinese present, lots of nuns. Very different feel. You slip a little bit further along to Brunswick. Again, vast diversity, or slip down to Wyndham, just outside of Geelong. 
where you find Muslims, and Buddhists, and Hindus, Pentecostals, all living together in one suburb, trying to find their way forward in a difficult time. Or you go country and go to Seymour, or go to Mildura. Really, diversity is out there, you can't escape it. A friend of mine did try to escape it, went to a country town only to discover that they're doing their very best to attract refugees and migrants because they want the country town to have the population. So that's the picture as it is. But where are we going? What's, what can we see coming? I was very fortunate to have a team of scholars. Some of them were my previous PhD students, now associate professors at Deakin, put in a bid to study the worldviews of Australian teenagers. We got a half a million bucks to do that, and it was very nice. Thank you. Your tax dollar being spent well. We went, I, we didn't know what to ask because if we just threw the usual standard questions at it, we get the usual standard answers back, they'd play with the pencils and say, go away. So we went and did focus groups all over the country. I didn't know how I was gonna get these 78 year old ears of mine next to teenagers, but fortunately the people in between helped. And once we threw some stuff around that they could look at and start relating to, conversation went all over the place about things spiritual, etc. And it was fascinating to see how these kids put their lives together and how they talked about it and what they were sensitive to and what they did not like, and it, oh, it was gorgeous. And so we developed that. Then out of that, we developed questions in a questionnaire, which was uh, a survey, a nationwide representative survey of kids between 13 and 18, conducted by random direct dial mobile. They didn't have landlines, so straight into their mobiles. If they were under 18, they had to have mother approve. And so mama was in the room when they were answering, or not, whatever. And that's interesting for some of the stuff a little later. Uh, so the, the whole business of cohorts, Generation Z, those born between 1997 and 216, zero to 19 at that point, are 24.7% of the population, the largest generation. Second largest is, is, is uh, the millennials, uh, and then Gen X, Boomers, and Silent. So we did all of that, and we found some pretty basic stuff, interesting. None is the new normal for them. 52% of these kids, no religion, none at all. But what was beautiful is, yeah, they don't want formally organized stuff, but if you asked whether they believed in God, yeah, 37% believed in God, 48% believed in a life after death. 58% of teenagers never, ever attend religious services at all, anywhere, never. 12% do, and they're basically Christian evangelicals and Muslims. But if you ask about the importance of religious faith and spirituality, well, 36% said no, all right, but 42% said, yeah, some, there's some importance there. And 22% said, very. So you've got some very funny stuff playing here. They're not religious, but they're not anti-religious. Hence, their failure to rise in that they don't want to be atheists. 
They aren't that negative. They wouldn't put that much energy into being negative. <laughs> One of the really fun bits is 28% regularly meditate and not in school. They may have learned it at school. They may call it mindfulness. But they practice meditation. And they find it helpful, and it's part of their life. Whether they nominate it as spiritual or not, I don't care. They do it, and meditation is a very powerful kind of practice to connect, to get a deeper sense of life. Even if they said they had no religion, 39% of those who said they had no religion said they believed in some higher being, force, etc., something out there positive about life. Self-identification as religious or spiritual, Jen said, said both, 16%. Spiritual but not religious, 22%. Can't choose, 14 The secular sacred binary does not work for them. They find things that are sacred to them and important to them in various and many ways. You coming to shut me up, are you, Peter? <laughs> okay. So we came up with new categories, which I can't give you, but it, it's a, what it, my summary of the thing is that Australian Gen Z are awash, but they are not adrift in a sea of diversity. They know who they are, they know what they want, they have a good sense of what's good and what's not, a very good, well-developed sense of social concern, and are just very much into affirming each other and all those people around them, regardless of how diverse they are. Thank you very much.